Alright, hello, and welcome to episode 51, Reviews from the Crawl Space. I am Douglas. And I'm Vicky. And on this podcast, we review three albums at random from an inherited collection, and sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's maybe... Stinky. Maybe not so good. Sometimes it's stinky. <clears throat> but I have a feeling today's pretty one of those pretty good ones. Yes. You seem to be in a good stretch. Uh, I guess housekeeping before we get started. Um, Instagrams, reviews from the crawl space, one one word, one glom. I post there. Uh, Spotify's, uh, Apple's, Twitter at RFTCS1. We have the one in there, so don't forget that. I'm not sure what the other one was, but it's something, I'm sure. It was, RT, R, it was RFTCS, period. It's some dude. <laughs> Some dude, there you go. So don't so, don't follow the follow us. Twitter so kindly, <clears throat> yeah, put a number one on the end and said you can have this one instead. Here you go, jerk asses. So I jerk assedly took it. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get cracking. What do we have today? Today is <laughs> the first album is Gentle Giant Octopus. <laughs> the second album is Boston's debut album Boston. The third one is Joe Walsh, and I love this title, The Smoker You Play, The Drinker You Get. Which we all know to be true. Yes. For anything. Yes. <laughs> all right. Gentle Giant Octopus. What do you got? All righty. Oops, I probably just yelled to the... just yelled Rachel's phone. <laughs> People are like, okay, yeah. that's it, I'm out. <laughs> you and your Al Pacino. We just lost our one viewer. Listener. Listener. Okay, Gentle Giant Octopus. Uh, Gentle Giant was a British prog rock band active between 1970 and 1980. Mm -hmm. They were known for their music's complexity and sophistication. They were not really commercially successful, but did have quite the cult following. Yeah. We would be yeah, two we would of be, those followers. We are definitely in that category. Or we have become two of those followers. Yes, yes. Since uh, starting I, to I do understand, these reviews. And I understand why it doesn't become, isn't mainstream. No, not at all. Um, their music was considered complex, even by mm. progressive rock standards. Yeah. Octopus was their fourth studio album, released in 1972. The album's songs um, are generally based on novels and philosophers. Uh, the producer was Gentle Giant, so I didn't have to go do a lot of hunting on information there. <laughs> the track listing, um, I feel like I'm in some medieval... World yeah, when I this is some good prog rock when you get yeah. <laughs> the advent of Pan Panurge, raconteur troubadour. I didn't think that you could be both. There Obviously, you can. Breaking boundaries. A cry for everyone and a song called Knots. Side two, the boys in the band, dog's life, think of me with kindness, and river. The playtime on the album is forty three minutes and three seconds. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, go. I love this album. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. Nom, nom, um, nom, 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 nom. One of the things I found myself wishing over and over again was that I could actually see them live. Mm hmm. That's what time we talk about time travel with the doors. This is one of them. It's on the list. <laughs> Gentle Giant, yeah. Yeah, Gentle Giant, for sure. Um, I find the band is mesmerizing. There's so many layers, mm -hmm. much going on in the music. Um,. Oh yeah, it's just like And it, I want to listen so intently so I don't miss anything. <clears throat> yep. And I found when I was doing my research here that I would I would find myself just sitting here 
Just listening. Listening. Yeah, because it kind of demands it. Getting yeah. anywhere on what I was supposed to be doing. Totally, it's so intricate, like you said. Um, so many layers. And an interesting side note, there is a remastered version. Mm-hmm. They did it in 2015, and it's on Spotify. And they've tacked on this 15 plus minute, minutes of live concert Yeah, from the recording. tour. Yeah, from the tour, yeah. From the tour, and it's a much listened to. Must listen to. Must yeah, must must listen to. <laughs> no, I agree because it's it's songs. It's like a medley of songs from the album, and they play them live. And the songs are at least double, triple the speed. Yeah, they're but a lot faster. Faster and a little harder. And no, I'm with you. It's the the timing changes. This is like this album's like why I fucking love prog rock so much. <laughs> I understand why some people hate it out there, but this is I, I love it. It's so it demands you to listen to it. There's so many layers. The timing changes. So many different <clears throat> different styles. Well, and there was even one song going on where the singer seemed to be singing in a different key yeah. than the munis- than the musicians were playing yeah. in, and it would just like it just makes it so interesting and, um, yeah. Yeah, I just want to <clears throat> so some of the couple of the notes I got kind of mashed together here. So this song from Q and Mojo listed this album as 16 on the the 40 best cosmic rock albums. Uh, This is the start of the peak for Gentle Giant. This is kind of where they really got into their into their shit. Which and it's funny because it's a time when one of their band members actually left. Yeah, founding one of the founding go, members. One of the founding members. Yeah. One of the three brothers. Yeah. Um, he actually left to go do record producing. And they had a new drummer. Which is, and they had a new drummer on yeah. this one. And it, that's to me is yeah. mind boggling. Why would you leave well, this band? Although, but I guess would, would they have been as, as successful? Like, did it? Would it have been? It's of course. Well, we, of course, we love a cult band. Like, fucking, of course, we do. And at that time, though, I maybe wonder if some of his reasoning was is that, sure, it was a good album, and he felt it was the best one that they had yep. done so far, but they weren't really going anywhere. In hindsight, well, were he say, to look back on it today, he, yeah, he may not have made that same decision. No, because he said, and I read an interview where he actually said that this was their best their best full album. Yeah. Yeah, and looking looking back on it, like you said. So this one, and he did mention one other one, which comes later in the run. Yeah, and we actually... We, it's probably in there. ...have already reviewed their la- the album just yeah, before this. Yeah, we're in chronological order almost. Called... Or, we are, aren't we? Uh, Three Friends. Three Friends. Yeah. And we both love that one, too. Yeah. So... Okay, carry on. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's definitely... I'm, usually, usually when we have an album that we love, we're just like, yeah, we love it and move on. <laughs> Usually we don't have this much to talk about. Um, it's listed as number 65 of the 100 greatest prog rock albums ever. Um, I recommend a, a Cry for Everyone. That's a song that I recommend. It's it's weird recommending uh, a song off of a full album. It, it's a full album. It's like a fucking Rush album or you have to listen to the whole thing. But if you need to dip into a song, uh, yeah, A Cry for Everyone. Um, which was inspired... By the work of Algerian and French writer uh, Albert Camus, I guess is his name. I just the way it looks like it's spelled or uh, pronounced. Uh, what else you got there, babe? Well, one of the things too about the song "Knots." Yeah. It, it was really um, people really were drawn to it because of the in- intricate vocals. Yeah, the vocal works crazy. And this song makes me believe that Gentle Giant was some sort of a influence on Frank Zappa. 
Yeah. That, it had a very Frank but, Zappa sound. But Zappa had already been doing stuff at this stage, so it would be quite the opposite. Zappa would have had influence on these guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Zappa was doing shit from the late 60s. At, at this point, we've already reviewed probably two Zappa albums before we even before these guys even got here. True, true, true. Because it's definitely, I'm, I'm with you 100%. There's Zappa the Prince all over parts of this yeah, album. Yeah, because sure. it gets, it goes off on these really quirky little adventures where it's like a xylophone and... For better or worse. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had to mention that because no, that's it, good. it that's just good really struck me that there was some influence. Definitely, definitely Some that influencing song. going on there. And definitely not too. I think that's a good example of it. If people want to listen to what we're talking about, go to not of this uh, on this album and definitely I'm with you very very Zappa-ish because uh, we've watched quite a bit of live Zappa stuff and this is very much what it reminded me of was yeah. a little bit of like a, a live Zappa show yeah yeah, <clears throat> but a little more constrained and controlled yes yes his can get quite chaotic no, no crazy and naked women running around and <laughs> well just having like, like a 20 piece band and just yeah just nuts <laughs> I mean Gentle Giant was a big band they had a lot of members yeah they did yeah, yeah. but um not Frank Zappa. Well, this is way more members. controlled. Uh, just for context, uh, the album before this was Three Friends, Three which Friends, we've yeah. already reviewed. came out in 1972. And actually, the same year that this one came out. So they were busy beavers. Um, and the one that came out after it was In a Glass House in 1973. Hmm. Yeah, which like I said, I'm pretty sure will be in here coming up eventually. Yeah, I hope so. I really dig this band. Yeah, and I kind of figured when we got start getting into it that, that we would. I, I've always known... It's always been on the fringes. And it's not very something I've totally gotten into, but since we have been having a lot more free time lately, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely getting in there. And I'm glad, too. It, it reminds me, to me, it's the equivalent, music equivalent, of when we go find all those good 80s movies... The, the, the cult movies they're just like oh it's terrible but it's so fucking good this isn't terrible this is just so fucking good but it's yeah. like that same kind of thing where it's like you finally found it and yeah you appreciate it scratches it. an itch yeah yeah that's, I like that that's better yeah it scratches yeah. an itch and super proggy which we are suckers for well and that's one of the things about this record collection that's been so so much fun about doing these reviews is that we have found so many surprising things mm -hmm. things that we never thought that we would like yeah, that's for uh, sure. That we yeah. end up loving. Um, we've, we've, me especially, have found so many new artists. Yeah, that's weird, yeah. To like new, on. New artists going through an old collection. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff that I never, ever came across when I was a kid. Yeah, I never, yeah, I just never found you at that time. But, yeah, you have the, the foundation for it. When the student is ready, the teacher <laughs> will come. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, I guess, I guess it's on me now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I want to mention too, and I don't know, I'm in my stoner brain, I, I think I read somewhere that it was one of the band members' wives that named the album. Yes. Because it was Octo Opus. Yep. Because it was, a, you know, their big... There was eight and songs eight on the songs, album. And yeah. it was their, their you know, opus. So, yeah. The, so yeah, that octopus. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. I did read that as well. So it's not just your stoner brain. Okay, right on. Good, good. Uh, General Giant, uh, Columbia, uh, Catalog, Casey... Three two zero two two. This is original pressing. Fourth variation. Wow, a lot of variations. Uh, Canada seventy three. Uh, condition. The cover is good. I got it here. You guys can hear it, but you can't see it. Uh, it's got a bit of. It's got a little bit of fade and wear, but it's it's in good condition. So yeah, just you have to take my word for it. 
no rips, scratches. Sleeve is good. It's original. No rips, no scratches, but it has the lyrics, which is really fucking kind of cool. Oh, yeah, for, the, for that point and, you mentioned. Yeah, and, and, and what's the cool thing about the lyrics is they actually have little facts about every song at the end of every song. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen it in any of the albums that we've done, but they actually, never. they actually have, you know, oh, this is a personal song. We kept it simple with a certain mood, or we're trying to go for this sound, or this is based on it. So it's really cool. I don't think I've ever seen someone have a fact, a fact track on their lyrics. We run across that sometimes when doing research. Yeah. Because some bands so thoroughly, you know, work up their Wikipedia pages to include like little tidbits from every single song, but yeah. this is the first time I've. Uh, on, on a printed sleeve, yeah. On a printed sleeve, yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of bonkers. So the vinyl, uh, aside from very faint surface scratches, is actually in very good condition. Um, it's definitely been well played, and I understand why. Uh, the audio, <clears throat> like I said, <clears throat> being it being well played showed audio-wise, but, you know, it sounded good, good sound field. It, it, was all, it was good. I just quickly have a question for you. Sure. Is this one of the ones that you used to pull out when you were a kid? Mm-mm. No. No, but I was very aware of the cover. I always love the artwork. Yes, the artwork on both covers yeah. is both of these, outstanding. I, I absolutely remember both of these covers growing up and looking at that. I mean, I understand why I never listened to it because, like, I'm sure I put it on just like, nope. <laughs> it's just because it requires so much, and it's just it's not super first time accessible music unless you're already in that zone of super proggy music. So. Right. Um, no, and you were into metal those days, like probably by those days. Oh, I think I would listen to it if I was aware, aware of it. But no, I was just—it's one of those things, like you said, about being ready. Yeah. I mean, I, at that time, I wouldn't have been able to appreciate it for what it is. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, design cover concept by John Berg. Uh, typography by Michael Dorette. Um, art by Fluid Drive. An illustration by Charles White III. So we just had John on the show not too long ago, and actually I think a couple times. Uh, yeah, for Janis Joplin's Greatest Hits and recent Bob Dylan. Mm. Grammy Award-winning American graphic designer and art director. That dude. Yeah. Best known for his works at CBS Columbia Records, uh, creative director and VP. <clears throat> 611 credits to his name. Duke Ellington, Johnny Cash, Jackson's fucking Joplin, Bob Dylan, whatever. 611, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Everything. I, All the good stuff. Everything. Everything that was done. Yeah. Um, so we got he, he. We've talked about it before. If you're really that interested, either go look him up or go look at past shows. He won four Grammy Grammys, and he was actually. And I one thing I didn't know from the previous before, he was nominated for twenty one. I don't know if I said that in the past episodes, but he was nominated for twenty one Grammys. Holy shit! And I mean, obviously, all for art, design, and covers. And shit. Any idea how many you won? Four. Cool. Yeah, and I think one of them was for the Bob Dylan. I can't remember the, the rest. one that we did last. Yeah, uh, Michael Dorette, Dorette dot com, uh, an American graphic designer specializing in letter form and image design, with sixteen album credits to his name: Kiss, Chuck Berry, James Brown. But he has a ton of other work. Go check out his website; just his his full name dot com. It's got some really cool stuff. I always, I, I know I say this every episode, I, I feel so bad that I have to skim over some of the work that these people do, because it's really fucking amazing. But that happens, I mean... Even with these, the bands, yeah, but, yeah. They're, yeah. You have to 
just, just pick. Have a yeah, that's just like okay, this is a different. This is this guy. Or we could go on. He for does three this. Days. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially for some of these album covers. Yeah. Okay, and finally, uh, Charles, an American-born artist known for his chronicling of uh, African-American-related subjects in paintings, drawings, lithographs, and murals. Uh, his best-known work is the contribution of the Negro to American democracy, uh, which is a mural at the Hampton University. Honestly, Charles Charles White III, go look up this guy. Holy fucking shit. He has done so much work chronicling the history, black people in America, and the contributions, and some of his artwork. And it's amazing to me, after all this stuff I was reading about, he's like, oh, he does album covers. Like, it's fucking nuts. It's just like, <laughs> he did an album cover for this, for Gentle Giant, and he's like this historian for uh, well, I must go look culture. him up. Is he alive now? Uh, no, he was, he, this was like early, earlier 1900s oh. to like It's a shame, they the could 30s. use him right now. Oh, totally. His, yeah, his stuff is really super timely. And by is, they, I mean the Black Lives Matter movement. The whole, the whole movement, yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's that. So, so there are 31 music-related credits, which is so weird after you're reading all of his other accomplishments. Um, and what's just funny is the first name that comes up that he did, Cheech and Chong, Up in Smoke. Is the, what are the, okay, I want you this guy who's responsible for chronicling all this history did the Cheech and Chong cover for Up in Smoke. Kind of like the guy in my next one. Holy shit. Yeah, so he also did J.J. Kale's Troubadour and Chubby Checker's Greatest Hits. That shit blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, I was going to say some. Cause I missed some notes earlier. Yeah, so the UK release of this album cover was created was different. It was created by uh, somebody else. We've talked about Roger Dean, who, who you'd also know if you looked up and saw his work. You would know uh, very pro predominant in the '60s for illustrations, um, pulp novels, lots of hundreds of album covers. We've talked about it on the show before. And uh, oh, look, okay, I'm 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 done there. So how about you? Uh, all I have to add is that uh, Discogs now has seventeen of these for sale from four dollars yep. and ninety nine cents. Mm -hmm. Five hundred and eighty seven uh, have it. One ninety four want it. Hmm. It gets four point two four out of five rating with eight people yeah. chiming in. Um, the album. Sells for anywhere from nine fifty nine dollars and fifty nine cents to twenty seven dollars and forty cents in its best condition. Right. I gave this album four to five out of five. <laughs> I gave it four point five as well. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we knew we, we kind of thought this was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, it's a fucking great album. Yeah, and I I'm not sure what stops me from giving it a five. I think because it, it, it's. It's a whole album experience, so I, I don't know. I was thinking about this, too, that, that exact thing. And I think that if it had one more, like, standout hit, like, its own song, I think maybe I would have. But it's, it's a whole album, though. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. Well, and all I have to say in addition to that. I don't, you're, you're right. I don't know what's stopping from a five. I don't know. Maybe because we're just just discovering it. Yeah, and being I, a little stingy, I think, because we listened to this one too. through at least three times. At least three times, yeah. The first, the impressions from the first time through were much different 
than the impression set. Yeah, the yeah, because that's, that's a good point, and we never talked about that earlier. Because at first, I wasn't, I wasn't so keen on the back half of this album. I, the river is the last song. I like the river, but the other songs on the back half of this album, I wasn't a huge fan of. I thought it was too slow because there's a huge like he just he gets down to just doing piano, like it really slows down. But you know, it's a prog album. But listening through again, you're right. It's yeah, yeah, no, it, it grows on you it, very much. And that's a good so, album. You want you don't want it to just immediately. You want it to be, have something new every time, and that's yeah. this album. So, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a weird one for me. Yeah, four point five. It's like I just said it's an excellent album that is a definition of prog rock. You guys want to know what prog rock is? Listen to this fucking album. It definitely is. And if you're a fan of prog rock and you don't know about you Gentle don't know, Giant, yeah, good point, yeah. get your ass to Spotify or start fucking up some Gentle Giant somewhere and start listening to these guys because. Damn. Great album. They're fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Gentle Giant Down. Wow. All right. Just checking here. Ooh, you say chunky segment. Yeah, we always get carried away on the good albums. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, the next one up is Boston, self-titled uh, album called Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I really kind of hate to say that they're an American band from Boston, Massachusetts, because essentially... Especially on this first album, Boston was just two guys. They were the only two guys that were signed to the record company. Hmm. And that's um, Tom Schultz Mm -hmm. and the lead singer, Brad Delp. Okay. So they were the only two signed. And essentially... Go into that later. Okay. <laughs> they had their success during the 70s and 80s. Boston is a staple of classic rock. This is their debut album, released in 1976. Influenced by the Kinks, the Yardbirds. Um, the album sold extremely well, breaking sales records. And actually, they won some awards for breaking these sales oh, records. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It became the best-selling debut album in the U.S. at the time. It sold 17 million copies in the U.S., 25 million worldwide. Um, it's also been included in many lists of essential albums. So Tom Schultz, the guy who founded the band, uh, he was also an inventor and an engineer. He founded a company called Schultz Research and Development, where he concentrates on inventing new electronic equipment. He recorded this album in his basement studio at his house uh, with his co-producer, John Boylan, who basically ran interference with the record company because Tom wanted to make this album on his own mm-hmm. and he knew with the record company's interference that he wouldn't get the album out that he well, yeah, it wouldn't wanted. Be what he envisioned, yeah. So he ended up having John Boylan run interference so that Tom could just do his thing. Um, Tom Schultz played all of the instruments on the album and with the help of Brad Delp on vocals, he got to make the album that he wanted to. Um, so the producer was Tom Schultz and this fellow mm-hmm. named John Boylan, who we have talked about before. Yeah, that's okay. Sounds familiar. Um, t- he, Tom was the founder of The Sound, and he wrote and co- or co-wrote the material many years prior to them actually releasing this album. Oh, okay. Um, the guy is brilliant and very, very interesting, and I had no idea. So... I kind of went from this place of, oh, I, I love the album. I owned it when I was a mm-hmm, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I just thought, after listening to Gentle Giant and going to Boston, yeah. um, the opposite end. I just kind of thought, ugh. Yeah. But it honestly was an interesting dive down into this band, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that went on around them, and um, yeah, it was just really cool. So the co-producer John Boyland was an American record producer. He worked with Pure Prairie League, which is with another of my favorite bands. Which will we get into? Charlie Daniels, the Little River Band, and Mickey Gilly. And as an LOL, uh, he even worked on the Simpsons Sing the Blues album. <laughs> which is definitely was a staple growing up for us. Which is funny because he ended up, he now produces children's music. Huh. And he's also a teacher at Citrus College in California in their recording arts program. <laughs> so the track listing. Uh, side one, more than a feeling, peace of mind, foreplay slash long time. Uh, side B is rock and roll band, smoking, hitch a ride, something about you, let me take you home tonight. Now, if you don't know all of these songs, yeah, should I? I'm not sure what rock you've been living under. Yeah, it's just all of them. Uh, sorry, the run the runtime of the album is 36 minutes 27 seconds. Yeah. The first side, more than a feeling, peace of mind, and foreplay, long time. All three of them were singles off yeah, this but, album. Yeah, I was going to say for sure. Although everyone knows every song on this album. Yeah, yeah, even me. Yeah, definitely. Um, more than a feeling went to number five on the Billboard Top 100. Uh, peace of mind went to number 38, and foreplay, long time went to number 22. Fucking debut album. That's like yeah, everything's a hit. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot everything's of everything's still played. A lot of the stuff that this fellow Tom Schultz uh, does in his little research and development, mm-hmm. and he also invents stuff, is is about music. And he started this company so he could sell his inventions. Yeah. Yeah, he had a degree in mechanical engineering. One of the things I read about this that really kind of blew my mind was that he worked a way to balance out both acoustic and electric guitars, <laughs> which would account for the deepness of that oh, sound. Oh yeah, there's yeah, it's it's very well produced and, and conceived for sure. He definitely worked it over. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm not, they, I'm I just not realized sure that they John... had a, a bunch of this actually, <laughs> a bunch of what, what you're talking about in in general is actually on the back of the the album. Like oh, a lot very of cool. The story. Not the same stuff. Like this is way even more condensed. But there's a bit of a write up on the back here. Oh neat. Yeah. I'll, I'll Guess I should that. start. Yeah. <laughs> Do a better job looking at the thing. Oh. I don't. I don't even look at them because that's like kind of not my part of the the research. Yeah. So well, I should I'm, start doing I'm that. Doing, I have the research, and it's just like, oh, it's right here on the album. Just like the fat, like the the all the facts from the last song cover uh, from the other album. There, it's just like, oh, it's right here. I could just look this up. <laughs> Don't need to Google it. So just one more thing yep. for context. This was their debut album, so there was nothing before it. And the next album for them was Don't Look Back in 1978. Yeah. I, I was with, with you on this one. I think you said at the beginning that <clears throat> coming into this, you channel Janet first and I love so much. And it's, I mean, I'm with you. I, I grew up with this stuff. It's radio, you know, corporate rock, arena rock. It's, it's safe. It's radio hits and huge radio hits. And it's not that it's, it's not that it's horrible. Like it's, it's designed, it's catchy and poppy. It's exactly, it's not angry. It's just go out. It's good time music, and it's just so different. Like you said, coming from Gentle Giant, 
where everything's so intricate and you've got to listen and just different time changes. But and this, this is, is intricate like, in a different way. It is. And it's, it's just like, uh, and like you said, to know every song off the album, like I don't even, what the fuck would you even say? He's like, here, go listen, just go put any song on this album on. And that's, you got Boston and that's, a, that's the album. Like, and that's, it's good and bad, but yeah, like it's exactly what it is. Well, and we talk so much about the eighties, and this wasn't 80s yet, 80s but, but this... This was 70s. Yeah, but this really set this really set the tone, though. This yeah. Was, this was like how a lot of 80s rock came off, especially at the beginning. Yeah. So, no, I it's one of those one of those catch-22s. It's super poppy, mainstream-y, but I understand... Or I understand, appreciate, I guess. I, I, I didn't want to be so... At first, I was really cynical about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, but I grew up with it. We all know their hits, but it's like, ah, these fucking guys. But, you know, yeah. yeah. So they had their place, and it man becomes, oh man. It becomes a huge problem later on of what to give it a, a rating. Because, like, do I give it a rating for what I feel of? Like, or, like just to appreciate the sheer strength of it and the, and the sheer... And all that went into the numbers, making it, yeah. yeah. like, and just how popular, like, ah, that's a, it's a huge catch-22. Yeah, because essentially this guy, Tom Schultz, is a Trent Reznor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's his show. He writes it, he... Produces it. He records every single instrument, yeah. and uh, you know, there you go. He knows what He's he wants. got total control. Okay, just before I move on, real quick, uh, I just want to mention the drummer has got the craziest white guy fucking afro I've ever seen. Uh, that's great. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, he sure does. There's some work into that shit. You don't just happen by happen into that. You got to work at that. Wow, it's impressive. <laughs> it's almost Reggie Watts. Impressive. Yeah, it's a, it's out there. So I couldn't imagine trying to go through the effort of doing that. Holy crap! Well, I'd can never you be able to do it with my hair. Trying to drum through a concert. Oh, with essentially this with huge helmet on. Yeah. Oh no. Okay, so Boston, Boston, uh, Epic Records uh, catalog PE three four one eight eight original pressing variation number two, a uh, Canada seventy six. Um, cover condition poor. The glue is coming apart. This thing's beat up. It, you know what? That's just I can summarize the whole thing. This album was at fucking a lot of parties. Probably yeah. This this album got partied with. So it's so so sleeve. There's none. Uh, there is one here, but it's so fucking ripped up and stuff. It's really not doing anything in there. Probably making things worse. The cover's poor. The vinyl's not in good condition. It's got scratches. It pops. It hisses. It sounds worn because it's probably been played eight thousand times. Um. So yeah. <clears throat> Design Paula Schur, uh, illustration by Roger Hussain. Oh, saying it wrong, I, I've been pra actually practicing this fucking name. Hewson, <laughs> Roger Hewson. Ah, man, it doesn't matter if I practice, I still fuck it up. Photo by Jeff Albertson. <laughs> so, Paula, uh, whose website now is pentagram.com, it's a studio art conglomerate thingy. An American-born artist and graphic designer known for her large-scale paintings of maps covered with dense hand-painted labeling and information. Um, uh, huge. Uh, you'd have to go. I'm doing a terrible job. If you went and looked at some of her work, uh, influential, prolific, all that shit. You know, you guys know me. I'm skimming the surface here. <laughs> I even wrote that down. I'm just skimming the surface. <laughs> it has 285 credits to her name. Uh, Charles Mingus, John Prine, and Yardbirds. I'm surprised we haven't come across John Prine yet. Hmm. Uh, Roger, Roger Hewson, if I say it right, dot com. 
<laughs> American-born artist and illustrator with 100 credits to his name. And just his music. He's got... I said he's well-known for his illustrations. They can be found in ads, TV, magazines, fucking everywhere. You guys would know his work. Uh, out of his 100 music uh, credits, The Tramps, Montana, which I never thought I'd ever heard of, but sounds, their cover looks hilarious, and The Brothers, which I've also never heard of. Kind of interesting there. And Jeff, the photographer guy, uh, he's worked with the Cars, Boston, and uh, Dwayne Allman. Mm. So uh, that's all the information for that guy. So yeah, just as like my first my first note was is the antithesis to uh, Gentle Giant. It's just yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's in a rock. It's just the opposite ends of. Uh, or yeah, so I said I I gave it four. I guess. Oh, wait, so we're not sorry. We're not there yet. You got to do That's your. Okay. You got to do your end shit. Sorry. That's okay. So the Discogs platform yeah, yeah, yeah. has nineteen of them for sale from two dollars. Um, <laughs> three, three thousand seven hundred and twenty-three people want it. Yeah. Or have it. Two hundred thirty-seven want it. It gets a four point one out of five. Yeah. With three hundred thirty-five participants in the poll. Oh, okay. And it sells from anywhere from five dollars to thirty-four dollars and ninety-five cents. This is not in either of those categories. <laughs> It's not neither of those categories. Uh, I, since I've blown my wad, would you give it? I gave it a four. Four, yeah. It's I, I have underneath. It is what it is. It's just because you can't deny it's. They're catchy tunes. They are. They're, they're not. They're not angry. They're not mad. They just have a good time. Hard driving guitar. Yeah. It's. Boston. Singable. It's. Yeah. Totally. No. I. I and that's just like. It's like a fucking. I'm not even going to say it's a guilty pleasure because... I was going to say something like that. <laughs> it's... You just... You, you like all it. You the stuff the that you find out about it in the background mm -hmm. is... It, it makes it even more endearing to me. Huh. Crazy. So... Yeah. You gave it four to five as well? Yeah, four to five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, let, me feel, let me feel your four. I would... It's weird because I would never go back and listen to it. So... But... Like I said, I can I know I can appreciate what it is. I yeah, I I'm not sure. <laughs> now that you've said that, I'm not sure that I would either. It would be one of those things if we happen to have the radio on in the car. Yeah, or some Spotify list of classic rock tunes or driving tunes or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, totally. If yeah. it came on that, yeah, yeah, I would crank enjoy it up. the yeah. hell out of it. Totally. Yeah, okay, down. Uh, Boston. Oh, wait. Boston down. There, Boston down. Okay, number three, Joe Walsh. The smoker you get, the player. The smoker you are, the player you get. Nope. No? The smoker you drink, the player you get. Jesus. The smoker you drink. The player you get. The player you get. Just had one word wrong there. So Joe Walsh is an American rock guitarist, singer, and songwriter. His career has spanned 50 years, and he's been a member of three successful bands over the course of those years. The James Gang, The Eagles, and Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. Mm-hmm. Um, he's experienced success as both a solo artist and as a prolific session musician. Yeah. Uh, Rolling sense. Stones has him on their list of 100 greatest guitarists of all time. He's at number 54. The Smoker You Get is his second studio album released in 1973. It was his commercial breakthrough, largely because of the song Rocky Mountain Way. And he ended up in the top ten because of that. Mm, okay. Um, he explores elements of blues, jazz, folk, rock with some Caribbean yeah, sounds. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of different sounds in there for sure. 
So this one was was uh, produced by Joe Walsh and Bill Simzik, an American uh, producer. He also did produce for the Eagles, the James Gang, and Alvin Bishop. Okay. So it makes sense that Joe Walsh would pull him. Still the same, same guy. Because yeah. he's, he knows him and he's worked with him before. Yeah, with his nonsense. So the track listing, Rocky Mountain Ways, Bookends, Wolf, Midnight Moody's, Happy Ways. Uh, side B is Meadows, Dreams, Days Gone By, and Daydream. The playtime on the album is 35 minutes and 44 seconds. And the context for this is he put out an album called Barnstorm in 1972. Mm-hmm, which is in the mix. And he, after this one, he put out an album called So What in 1974. Which is probably also in there. Um, and just uh, because I didn't include it in the rest, the album went to number six on the Billboard charts. Oh, okay. Wow. That surprises me. Mm-hmm. Me too, a little. Well, yeah, and this is this whole album in general is a surprise. Uh, it's yes. It's not, not what either of us were expecting. Yeah. Because the way it opens, it opens with Rocky Mountain High, and, and I mean, not that that's a fast Rocky song. Mountain Rocky, Rocky Mountain Way. And it's a, it's a mid-tempo blues, kind of blues rock song. So you're like, okay, it sets the tone, but the rest of the album is not like that song at all. No, it's, it's all very different. Very it, different. It hits a lot of those... Elements like I said, blues, jazz, folk, rock. For sure, but I almost British rock, British rock pop in there quite a bit. It almost borders on like I wouldn't say so far as the Beatles, but like that kind of just like elements, just flavors of it, not a whole bunch of it. But yeah. that's what makes it so different. Yeah. And yeah, what's that that song? Uh, the one we listen, just listened to it a whole bunch of times. Oh my god, I didn't even write that down. The one with the rip off riff. No, no, that the was one? Meadow. The, oh, the, days gone by. Days gone by. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's a really good song. So it's like you have Rocky Mountain Way. Sure, that's the hit. Everybody knows that hit. But for the rest of the album, I'd recommend Days Days Gone By yeah. as the as the single for the rest of the song for the rest of the album because that's more accurate to the way the rest of the album is. It's very much a it's a very chill album. I thought it was gonna be like a shit kicker album, but a lot, a lot of it's kind of like some good loops there for like electronic music. Yeah, I, I would say that I enjoyed the album in its entirety. Oh, really? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's not, a, it's not a bad album. It's just, I'm glad we listened to it again because I think the first time I didn't get as much out of it because my brain was just be like, what, what the fuck is not going, it's not going the way I thought it was <laughs> going to go in my brain. This isn't how I thought yeah. Joe Walsh would play out. Totally, so your, your brain's fighting it the whole first time, but uh, definitely, like, just playing it through was, I agree with you, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but that's definitely the single that I recommend, and I was surprised by it. Um, and that's not even one of the singles that was released off the album. The two singles that were released off this album were Rocky Mountain Ways, which went to 23 on the charts. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's such a part of pop culture. It's unbelievable. And that song called Meadows. Which, okay, guys, go listen to Meadows and go listen to A Woman from Tokyo. My Woman from Tokyo. No, just Woman from Tokyo. Okay. uh, From Deep Purple. Same fucking... Riff. Yeah, the opening riff in the beginning. That that guitar riff, that's the same. It goes through the song. It's the same one. Go check it out. I'm telling you. <laughs> it went to number 89. Because it sounded like another song. And I have at the beginning, LOL at the opening, the screaming at the, the, the opening. Sc- yeah, the screaming at the beginning is funny. Of the, of the song. Joe Walsh is screaming into the microphone. It's hilarious. Because it's not loud. It's just kind of back and faint. Yeah. And, but it's obviously somebody screaming, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just want to mention, too. So this is kind of the end of the uh, end of any of the band he did with Barnstorm. 
because although the band had helped them, they wrote, all wrote it, he kind of was just like, he just took the credit for it. Yeah. And then he was just like, fuck you guys. Yeah, and the band broke up. <laughs> and the band was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, buddy. The playtime on this album, I don't think I mentioned, was 35 minutes, 44 seconds. Okay, yeah. It's a, it's a proper length. It's a good length. It's yeah. just an overstay. It's welcome. Um, me, I guess. Like so many of the others. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's length. It, sometimes in those other albums, if they just trimmed off a couple songs, a song here or there, it, it would. it's amazing how much sometimes... Yeah, I never, never realized until you go back and have to listen to a whole album that you're like, no, get rid of this fucking song. So to... our attention span is 35 minutes. 35 minutes is perfect. <laughs> Unless you're like, uh... yeah, you know what, that's good. 35 minutes. Don't stick around. 40 minutes, too long. Uh, okay, the smoker you get. I'll just leave it at that. Joe Walsh, MCA Records, catalog MCA 37054. The one we have is a reissue from 1980, Variant 2. So every, all these albums are different variants. than the, They're all two of them original pressings, but they're all different variants than the first one that was released. Um, <clears throat> condition, the cover. Here it is. Uh, other than, the, once again, it's the glue that's an issue at the bottom, because if it wasn't for that glue, the cover's in good condition. Yeah, it is actually pretty good. Uh, the sleeve... Paint, plain paper, whatever. It's just disposable. It's in there. Vinyl, the vinyl's in very good condition. Uh, scratch free. Uh, I, from what I remember, it played and sound very well. I don't remember any hissing or pops. It was uh, this one was a good show. Sound field was decent enough, I guess. Better than some of the turds we've listened to. <laughs> God, once we got away from like a lot of the '80s albums, it's been a less of an issue. The '80s, just I don't know what the fuck was going on in the '80s, man. Some terrible sounding music. Um. So album design by Jimmy uh, Watchtel, which has been on the show before, and photography by Bob Jenkins, who's also, I'm sure, been on the show before. So Jimmy, so I'll repeat it again, who's been on the show with Jackson Brown, Running on Empty, an American photog, art director and designer based in L.A., um, worked with Warren Zevon, uh, Jackson Brown, obviously, Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen CSN, and The Hollies. Um, he's also brother brother of a guitar player who's a well-known musician session musician but like yeah well, we've talked about him we've had him in one of the bands watch 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 yeah wasn't it like uh not alabama but what's the other one that crashed there wally uh, Washtel, I think is yeah wally yeah yeah that's him okay anyways so uh bob the photographer bob jenkins uh photog with 50 credits to his name uh captain beyond iron butterfly ario speedwagon uh, and, yeah, you know, Captain Beyond, I don't think there's any of those albums in there. I wish there were. Maybe some Iron Butterfly? I don't know. Oh, I would be surprised if there isn't. I, I thought I used to listen to it back in the day. Oh, well, okay. I just, I'm just going to re repeat for, once again, just, I was expecting a different album, and I just, honestly, it was, it was not what I expected, and it was much more different than I thought. I was yeah. thinking Rocker, Shakikiker a little bit. And it turned into this very different. Well, then life's been good too, because those are the songs that I know of his. Yeah, they're like they're, like they're like blues rock songs. Yeah, yeah. they're not fast necessarily, but so anyways, okay, I'm done. They're over. about life, life about excess. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Discogs has two for sale from eight dollars and fifteen cents. Uh, one hundred and seventy-eight people have it. Thirty-two want it. It gets three point nine out of five with ten reviews. Um, it sells from $6.17 up to $20, and 
and 54 cents depending on what its condition mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And I gave this one four out of five. Ah, yeah, see, I gave it, I had given it a three out of five, and that was before we started re-listening re to it. It's an it's, it's weird. I gave it three out of five, but it's an album that I would go back and listen to again. Not like where I gave the four to Boston, but I'd never go back and listen to it again. This one I gave it a three point five, but oh, I think three point five. Yeah, I give I think that three point five might might have to change. I'm gonna keep it there for now. But when I give it that three point five, it's not I'm not giving it that. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good that's growing. Like you know what I mean? It's not it's not meant to be like ah, oh, it's just the three point. No, it's um, surprising. Yeah, because we thought it would end up around a two. And I've actually added that days gone by to our classic rock list on Spotify. Cool. And I actually meant to do that with some of the other songs that we've come across too, and I haven't done that yet. So, so yeah, three point five, and I put it's not bad. And like I said, this was all before we listened to it again. So, yeah, I yeah. Think my opinion of it would probably change a little bit even better. So yeah, I know. There you go, man. Wow. Yeah. Smoke you drink down. Joe Walsh, I guess down. So there you go. Uh, anything to wrap up with? No, just go listen to that. Uh, go to Spotify, pull up the album for Gentle Giant, and listen to that last track mm -hmm. that they have from Remastered from 2015. Um, yeah, just do it. Okay. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Okay. Do it. Later.